It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic. Your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is December 7th, 2019. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll talk all about the Magic's win over the Cleveland Cavaliers as they are back to 500 at 11-11 and on the season. And on a four-game win streak, we'll talk about all about that game and what they may have discovered a little bit in this recent stretch, and especially in this game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, a thing that they're going to need as what I'm terming the gauntlet is about to begin, and the Magic know it's about to begin, and it's going to be going to be a little bit of a tough go. We'll see how the Magic handle the next couple of weeks of the season. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes, searching wherever you download podcasts, actually, for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast for every single team in the NBA covered by a local expert who knows their team best. Want the Cavaliers' perspective on Friday's game? Check out Locked On Cavs. Want to look ahead to Monday's game against the Milwaukee Bucks? Check out Locked On Bucks. No matter which team you cheer for, which team you love to hate, or which team you're just generally kind of interested in, there's a Locked On podcast for you. Just search wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. The Orlando Magic found themselves in a drag-out fight. The Cleveland Cavaliers had a lot of motivation in this one. There was the 30-point blowout loss to the Detroit Pistons in their last game. There was a couple days to stew on that loss, actually. And there's the fact that they had only one win in the first five games of their six-game homestand. Throw on top of that reports that surfaced Friday that players within the Cavaliers were not so keen on their new coach, John Beeline, and the way that he runs his ship. College coach entering the NBA. Some differences for sure. And you had at least part of the makings of a team out there willing to wanting and trying to prove everyone wrong. And the Cavs did that. After Orlando took an 11-point lead in the second quarter, the Cavaliers went on a run to take the lead back at the beginning of the third quarter. They ramped up the physicality on their defense, throwing the Magic offense completely out of whack. Unable to break the, break it down, unable to get into the paint, unable to really move the ball in that tunnel vision and that uh, that that you know poor ball movement that characterizes the Magic when they struggle. Reared its ugly head. A locked in defense that switches seamlessly, that blows up, that that traps on pick and rolls, that kind of slows down 
the careful ball movement and then put, you know add that to players that, that maybe aren't always looking to score on, on the floor. And the Magic were kind of caught on their back foot. Trailing entering the fourth quarter, in fact. Cleveland was not going to go down quietly and Cleveland was going to kind of try and prove everyone wrong. They played really, really well in this game. A lot better than we've seen them play in the first three games of this season series. Their first two games of the season series. But the Magic had the answers in the fourth quarter. Whether it was Terrence Ross getting himself going with 10 points in the fourth quarter. Whether it was Markel Fultz able to put pressure on the defense in transition. Whether it was Evan Fournier just making shots. That's kind of what he does at this point of the year. But most importantly, it was the Magic's defense stepping up. It was Jonathan Isaac blocking shots. It was Kem Birch deflecting lobs and deflecting passes. And, and Cleveland just unable to hit outside shots in the end. It's kind of nice to have someone else not hit outside shots on you. And the Magic found themselves up by three for good when Jonathan Isaac hit a three-pointer with about five and a half minutes to play. From there, the scoring was rough for both teams. That's the kind of game the Magic really like and want to play. Orlando got down and dirty and ugly to grind this game out. They rediscovered their defensive intensity that they had last weekend, that, that they really didn't have the last two outings when they just outscored the Washington Wizards and the Phoenix Suns. Their defense on Friday night was extremely good. It was maybe crashing the paint a little hard. Orlando gave up a lot of paint points early on in the game with Tristan Thompson on dump-offs. And there were still plenty of errors. But the Cavaliers could not retake the lead in those last five and a half minutes. Despite the Magic being unable to shoot or being unable to score. And Orlando got big shots from Jonathan Isaac. They got a heck of an inbounds play where Aaron Gordon curled around a Kemberch screen, blocked a block, and Evan Fournier fed him a bounce pass for a two-handed jam over Tristan Thompson. Probably the best executed inbounds play that, that I've seen from the Magic this year. And the Magic were able to pull away and pull out the win. 93-86. to 86. Low scoring game. Magic won't complain about that. They won't complain because ultimately what matters is they got the W. Or sorry, 93-87, the final. Magic give up just 17 points in the fourth quarter and 40 points total in the second half. That's how you win a game when you shoot only 39% from the floor. That's how you win a game when you turn the ball over 17 times. You find ways to scratch and claw and get the win. The Cavaliers had their opportunities in this one. They shoot better at 42.2%. They make 10 three-pointers, 10 of 34 from beyond the arc. But Cleveland couldn't get to the foul line. They couldn't get the shots that they really needed. They turned the ball over themselves 16 times, and Orlando converted on those turnovers. The Magic had 17 total turnovers for 11 Cavs points. Cleveland, 18 total turnovers for 17 Magic points. Orlando was able to convert on the mistakes that Cleveland made. Well, Cleveland... While certainly energetic and and desperate to get this win, never really had the answers. This was a good team beating a bad team. A bad team playing well, mind you. 
But this was a Magic team taking care of business, something that they've done exceptionally well this season. They are, they, they've played very, very well against teams with losing records. And they took care of their business Friday night before the gauntlet begins. And I'll explain what the gauntlet is here in just a little bit. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But before we do that, let's go through the final stats on this one. Terrence Ross leads the team in scoring with 21 points, 6 for 14, shooting 4 for 10 from beyond the arc. Uh, you know, with Ross at this point, you know, we know that the Magic seek out Ross, and, and he's a guy that, that has the green light to shoot. I mean, I think, I, I, think I, I said this during the summer or during the early season. Ross really has... A place by a different set of rules when it comes to the offense because his his job is just to hit a bunch of shots in a row. When he hits a bunch of shots in a row, it just loosens everything up for everyone. And so his job is essentially just shoot it. It, it really doesn't matter what the look is. As long as it's a smart look, as long as it's a rhythm look, shoot the ball. You know, always be looking to score and, and, and kind of change the temperature of the game with his ability to heat up so quickly. And he makes you believe in the theory of the hot hand. Um, but Ross had two moments in this game where he really stepped up. Early second quarter, I think he scored eight points in the second quarter, uh, and really all of them right in a row, and and that got the Magic their early lead. That got that staked the Magic lead after they kind of struggled a little bit uh, defensively, at least in the first quarter, and they, they were trailing after one quarter too. Um, that that second quarter, that second quarter spurt from Ross really helped propel that bench unit to take the lead and, and Orlando to expand on it before the quarter ended. The fourth quarter was also a big spurt for him, uh, and obviously was the deciding spurt. Orlando's offense was really stuck in the mud. They really couldn't do much. And then all of a sudden, Ross starts getting hot, start, starts hitting shots, and there you have it, the Magic taking the, the big lead. So Terrence Ross, a really nice game for him. The kind of game you expect from him. You make four three-pointers, you get to the line five times, three of them on a three-pointer free throw. Um, you know, you make six of 14. That, that's a pretty solid night for Terrence Ross. So good, good game from him. Evan Fournier, another solid game, 18 points, 6 for 15, shooting 2 for 5 from beyond the arc. I thought that Fournier in this one was was forcing his game just a little bit. Um, uh, you know, when the offense struggles, Fournier does take it upon himself to try and get the magic going again off the dribble, and, and I don't really think that's his game completely. Um, obviously, he's better at it. I don't mind him giving it giving that opportunity. Uh, but I think that that this game he got he fell into some of those bad habits that, that sometimes fans complain about. Um, I did notice note a few times that he missed open play open players and you know not the easiest passes in the world, but got a little too focused on getting to the basket. And, and I think I think a, a couple of players have this problem. So I, I think it's something that that still has to grow and develop off the dribble for for a lot of these guys. But um, I, overall, I thought that Fournier did a lot of really good things. Um, you know, I, I can't complain too much about Nevin Fournier game at this point. Um, I thought that he made the big shots that he had to make. He made some tough shots, um, especially when you can spot him up. He is still extremely dangerous, and, and the Magic did a good job keeping him involved at all times. Aaron Gordon, 14 points, 6 for 13 shooting, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 turnovers. Uh, same kind of deal with Aaron. Um, it, when the offense gets stuck, it's because guys are over-dribbling. Um, plain and simple. And and, and Gordon and, and Fournier has more license to do it, but Gordon... 
Gordon's biggest problem is when he over dribbles, when he when he tries to, to attack guys off the dribble too much. I thought early on he did a good job establishing himself in the post. He had a smaller player on him and Alfonso McKinney, so he's able to get that get that switch and exploit it. And I thought he did a really really nice job exploiting it. Um, you know, he got called for an offensive foul in the third quarter. I want to say on Larry Nance, but uh, he he did a good job just kind of you know staying staying balanced and staying composed in the post, and I think that post game is starting to show its improvements that, that he worked on in the offseason, um, a big part of his game. But again, the jumper just, just looked a little labor tonight. Uh, you know, I, I think he was 0-2 from beyond the arc. Um, it, it, it looked like a little bit of a struggle for him to, to, to set up his shot, and, and I think that, again, working less off the dribble will help him, uh, you know, kind of unlock more of his offense. But, you know, he had three dunks in the game, one of them that big one at the end. He had a couple in the first half. You know, when he's dunking the ball, when he's getting to the basket, that is still when he is at his best. So, an, a, a solid night for him. Um, I, I want to mention Ken Birch, 5.6 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 turnovers, 2 blocks. Um, a mixed bag game for Ken Birch. Uh, he is not totally impressed as the starting center, I want to say. I mean, I'd give him like a B- minus, you know, kind of grade if I were grading him as a starter. Um, his impact hasn't been... So pronounced, and, and you know, you're not looking for him to score. You're not looking for him to, to develop a lot of counting stats. But uh, defensively, I think the Magic have not been as good as they could be. Birch, I think, does have a tendency to chase blocks a little bit. Um, but uh, and I think that happened early in this game, and and some of it's the the interior defense. He's not as good of a a, a dropper as Vucevic is. I mean, I, I do I do believe this that the Magic's defense will improve when Nikola Vucevic gets back in the game, when gets back on the court. Um, I, I do think that that he just understands this team's defensive schemes better than any center on, on the floor. Um, and so Birch, I think, was not bad, but not making the clear impact that he can make because he made that impact at the end of the game. At the end of the game, the last five minutes of the game, Birch played about as good defensively as we've seen him play without you know racking up a ton of blocks and a ton of counting stats. He you know, was deflecting passes, deflecting lobs, and, and really keeping keeping the, the the Cavaliers from attacking the basket. So I, I really, you know, it, it ended up, you know, Birch had his struggles, but he really ended up playing a really nice defensive game. Offensively, though, I think is where Birch still has so much room to grow. And, and it's not even so much room to grow as a scorer, as a, a, a playmaker, and he, he's actually a pretty good passer for, 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 a, player, for a guy his size. Um, it, it's not so much about that. It's just about being a threat to score. Uh, there, there are just several occasions where Birch got the ball, you know, maybe mid post, and just looked to get rid of it as quickly as possible. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of the simple thing. You know, yes, some, sometimes the play calls for a dribble handoff, so you keep your back to the basket. But when you catch the ball at the elbow, you know, I was taught in middle school, you turn to face the basket. Always, just first thing you do, turn and face the basket, and that makes you at least a threat to score. That, you know, if, if you turn and face the basket, again, sometimes the play calls for you to do a dribble handoff immediately, so I'm not saying do it, you know, every time, but there are several occasions where Birch just caught the ball and looked to get rid of it as soon as possible, and then just kind of floated around and, and crowded the space. And at a certain point, that Birch became the guy you doubled off of, as, if, if he, as long as he wasn't in the low post. Birch was the guy you doubled off of or, you know, tried to trap Evan Fournier's screens, and, it, and it's, to me it's simply because Birch isn't viewed as a threat to score. And Birch only, I think, compounds that problem when he doesn't turn to face the basket, when he doesn't, uh, you know, present himself even as a threat to attack. Uh, and, you know, I'm not asking him to go off the dribble. I'm not asking him to start posting up. I'm not asking for any of that. I'm not asking for really a change to his shot distribution. 
It's more about just making the defense account for you. Um, you know, he is a rim runner. He's a roller. That is that is his best offensive weapon. So again, not trying to 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 take to to change so much of what Birch is doing, but it's a simple turn and face, turn and face the basket, and you know, have your eye on the hoop a little bit. Just just have a little bit of a nose for scoring. And I think just having just just having that little mindset change. You know, again, as long as it's within the play, as long as it makes sense within within the play, I mean, you can even do it and then turn back around. It forces the defense, it forces everyone on the defense to keep an eye on you. If you're just always back to the basket in the high post, uh, you know, trying to find the next the next person to get the ball off, you know, you can sag, you can sag off them a little bit. You can, uh, the defenders can guard their man a little closer because you're not a threat. They don't need to go help you. They don't need to go help and, and try and crash the paint. And so, to me, this is, you know, kind of the big thing with Ken Birch because I, I saw him a few games ago pass up an open layup off an offensive rebound. Again, off offensive rebounds too, you got to be looking to score. You got to have the mindset that I'm going to score. And, and even in Friday's game, Birch was looking to pass the ball back out instead of trying to score. And again, some of that maybe he didn't see the good opportunity. So I'm not completely knocking him for that. But again, it's it's having a little bit of an offensive mentality. And I, I know that's not Birch's strength, but I, I think that. If the Magic are going to be what they want to be, they got to have positive guys on offense. They got to have guys who may not be great offensive players, but who are willing to contribute something on the offensive end or willing to attack. I mean, I, I think Wessel Wundu is a kind of a good example of this. He's not the best offensive player, but he is willing to attack. He is willing to take that shot. You know, Markel Fultz, we talk a lot about his three point shot, or everyone talks a lot about his three point shot, and it's not there yet, but he is willing to take that three pointer. And even if he misses, the defense now understands he is going to take that shot. So they at least have to have to challenge it a little bit. They, that, that may be the shot they want to, him to take. That may be the shot they want to give up. But if he is a threat, even just a, a minor threat, to make that shot, the defense has to account for him. And so I think that's really where we're at with Ken Birch is if he wants to make that step offensively, he wants to kind of own the center center spot until Nikola Vucevic comes back, he's got to have a little bit more of an offensive mindset in his game. So that's a lot on Ken Burch. Maybe I'll have more thoughts on that coming up. Uh, but going back to the stats, Markel Fultz, eight points, three for nine shooting, five rebounds, two assists, three turnovers. Really did a good job getting to the basket, just didn't finish around the basket. Got kind of caught up in traps a little bit. I, I, I think we expect a certain level of consistency from Markel Fultz. Um, but... He's still a, you know, you still got to remember he's a rookie and he's learning the game. So you're going to see games. We kind of maybe, I wouldn't say take a step back. It wouldn't be a step back unless this happens more regularly. But he still made a positive impact, I felt, on the floor. Still got into the paint. Still still made a lot of great plays uh, around the basket. Jonathan Isaac, a really nice game. Nine points, four for nine shooting, six rebounds, two turnovers, four blocks. Um, defensively, Isaac was a monster. He was just swatting everything. He was a cha- he was challenging a lot around the basket. Um, I, I still think his perimeter one-on-one defense uh, could in, still need, still has some room to improve, um, but help side he is as, he is the best help side defender the Magic have had since Dwight Howard, plain and simple. Um, and and I, would, I would say I would definitely agree with that. I would definitely say that it's certainly better than Dwayne Denman was. Um, he's he's just composed. He's he's able to make make shots. And Isaac now has a penchant for making big shots too. Um, he had the three that that gave the Magic lead with five and a half minutes left. Didn't score until the second half, but once he uh, but he got himself going with that pull up mid range jumper. And that bailed the magic out. And again, sort of like Ken Birch, Isaac has to have an offensive mindset. And he has to have a willingness to drive. He has to have a willingness to attack. And a lot of his turnovers of late, I, I, I don't dislike them. 
because they are him trying to attack off the dribble. They are him trying to be aggressive and get to the basket. You don't want too many of them, obviously, but Isaac has started to show a, a willingness to grow that part of his game, and, and, I, and I do think that that is valuable, and that's going to help this team. And, and when he started hitting his shots in, in that third and fourth quarter, the offense started to, to move again because, again, there was one more guy that the defense had to worry about. And, and if Isaac's not willing to shoot, if Isaac's not willing to attack, if Isaac's just looking to get rid of the ball, that's going to allow the defenders to guard other people t- more tightly. And, and so I think that that's a big thing for him. Michael Carter-Williams back wearing a mask at four points, seven rebounds, three assists, two steals. Um, Michael Carter-Williams just gives this team an edge. Um, it, they, they really did miss him. They really needed him on the court. Uh, and he has played really, really well. Um, since coming back, obviously had the uh, against the Wizards and, and and in this game as well. So good to have him back on the floor. I, I think his minutes are are really impactful. Orlando shoots thirty nine percent from the floor, nine for twenty six from beyond the arc, twenty for twenty three from the foul line. They grab ten offensive rebounds, turn the ball over seventeen times. They tally nineteen stocks, ten steals, nine blocks in this game. Four of them from Jonathan Isaac. So a really nice defensive game from Orlando. Cleveland shoots just forty two point two percent. They only get seven. They only go seven of ten from the foul line. Just 10 of 34, that's 29.4% from beyond the arc. They get 10 offensive rebounds too. They get 16 turnovers. They have 16 turnovers. The Magic converted on their second chance opportunities, converted on their turnovers, got to the line, and that's really the difference in this game. The Orlando Magic defeat the Cleveland Cavaliers 93-87. to They head on to Milwaukee to begin the gauntlet against the Milwaukee Bucks. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I think one of the the, the general narratives about this season so far, and again, I, I'm guilty of setting these narratives, too. So so if they're they're wrong or they're, they're wrong-headed, you know, I'm sorry. I, I, I think I think you know we, we set a lot of expectations here. We set a lot of the way that we talk about things. But one of the narratives I think about this year's team has been just this general feeling and general expectation that they were going to just roll out of bed, roll into the season, and be exactly what they were last year. That they were going to just kind of run it back. Literally, they ran the whole roster back. And they would do it again this year. Go 22 and 9. You know, compete. You know, just, just make this exponential improvement. I often tell you, progression is is not always linear. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's not always clear that, that you're making progress, even though you might be. And the results may not always be what you expect when you make progress. Coach Steve Clifford said before the season that this is an entirely new year. Uh, several players have said last year was last year. 
And so while the players are the same, while the roles are generally the same, it's also very clear that this is not last year's team and in very key ways. Certainly there are new challenges with, with the injuries and with, 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 with those things going on. Teams are scouting them. And frankly, expectations are completely different. The Magic, frankly, do have some poise about them. They do have this sense of, we know what we're doing now. They have a sense of, we know how to play, how to play this game and and how to make our path to the playoffs. And maybe that's caused them to to ease off the throttle a little bit or, or to be or to approach things just a little bit different. This Magic team is not last year's team, and certainly not the team that made that 22-9 and nine run to make the playoffs. As Steve Clifford always says, the goal is to be better in March than we are in January, to be better in January than we are in December. So that team ramped up exactly how Steve Clifford wanted them to, and the hope is that this year's team will do the same. But on a more granular granular level, while there is this expectation, while there is this you know kind of sense of of calm and, and poise about the scene, because as much as we all say the Magic are struggling, they're eleven and eleven. They're sitting two and a half games clear for eighth in the Eastern Conference. They are very clearly, even with everything that's happened to this point, very clearly a playoff team, better than the other teams in the East. You look at the East standings. Outside of maybe Detroit, who's now in ninth as the standings start to separate themselves and, and figure themselves out, who do you have faith that's going to come and chase the Magic? Don't answer that question because most people would have said most people would have said last year that the Magic were not a team they had faith to make that run. So there's a lot of work still to do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting happy two and a half games up in the East for eighth in the East at 22 games. No one should be. But the Magic are, are sort of right where they want to be, or right where they expected to be, or, or right, right where they need to be at the moment, considering everything that's happened and, and how this team has started the season. All their goals and all their dreams are still in front of them, and we'll, we'll talk more about that, I think, on Monday. But the one thing that's been missing on this team, or the one thing that, that needed to be rediscovered, is this, this the sort of playoff character that the Magic had last year. During that run to the NBA playoffs last year, Orlando just had this grit, this urgency, this determination that they were not going to lose games. They would trail entering the fourth quarter. They would Terrence Ross would hit the big shot. They would you know scrounge out that stop that they needed. They would find ways to win games. When they didn't have their best, when they had their best, when they, you know, when when someone wasn't scoring, someone would step up. It was always someone stepping up and making the plays. And that part of this team has been missing. They've let some leads slip in the fourth quarter. They've they've been imperfect. Their their defense has gone up and down. Their offense has been atrocious most nights. This this year's Magic team hasn't quite had that character yet. And so to me, what was 
encouraging about Friday's game, and really encouraging about this four-game win streak that the Magic are currently on is they seem to have found that character again. They seem to have found that ability to scratch out wins no matter how they have to play to get them. After their two best offensive games of the year, coming off two of their worst offensive games of the year, after their two best offensive games of the year, the Magic suddenly found themselves unable to shoot on the road. You would not be able to tell that this team was any different, though. They ramped up their defense. They focused more intently on their defense. It was certainly a point of emphasis for Coach Clifford, but they ramped up their defense and they found a way. Even as they gave up that lead in the third quarter, even as they they struggled, there was no wavering in their poise and no wavering in their approach. They made the adjustments. They started making some shots. And then they let their defense do the talking. Big play after big play after big play, whether it was Isaac's three, whether it was Ross making a shot, whether it was a Birch block or or Aaron Aaron Gordon and Ken Birch combining to block that shot to keep it a a one-point game, a one-point lead. It was all those little plays adding up. That's how you win games. It's the little plays. Clifford said earlier this year that when it came to the Magic's offense, one of the big issues that they were having was they could run through their sets fine, but no one was making a play. When it came down to just playing, to going out there and reacting to the defense and what it's giving you, the Magic were struggling to break through. It's it's these acts just playing, just reacting to that defense, that's ultimately what wins you games. That's what wins you the tough games. That's what wins you the playoff games. Your ability to make plays when the defense is loaded up against you. And yes, the playoffs are far off. Magic are, again, no promise to make it, although you know the odds looking pretty good as long as they keep, keep things up. We will talk playoffs because ultimately the goal for this Magic team is to perform better in the playoffs, in the postseason. And we can argue whether this team is capable of doing that, and I think that's that's the big question. And, and and you know, I, I think I, I've said that I don't mind going back to the first round and, and, and having another relatively quick exit. I just want to see improvement and want to see young guys get better, and, and I think we're seeing that. So I'm not... I, I'm not. I'm not a championship or bus guy that thinks that. Oh, this is as, this is as far as we go. We need to break things up. I, I, I do think. I do think that the Magic just need to make progress and show that they're they're making signs that they can make that leap coming up soon, or that they're ready to make the trade to make that leap. But that's that's a that's a debate for another day. The goal here is to be ready for that playoffs, and to be ready for the playoffs, you got to have not just the poise, not just the experience. But the mindset that no deficit is too great, that no struggle can't be overcome, and that when the chips are down, you will make the plays. This four-game win streak has been really nice, and the Magic have done their job against the worst teams in the league. I believe the the Magic have 10 of their 11 wins against teams with losing records. I think they only have two losses two or three losses against teams with losing records. I think it's just the Hawks and the Pistons. I might be wrong. I know the Hawks and the Pistons are, are definitely two. Two of them. Orlando has done its job taking care of its business, and that's why they're where they're at. That's why they're 11-11. and 11. 
They showed great character in bouncing back from that loss to the Raptors and holding on to beat the Warriors with an energetic Warriors team. Bad teams play well. And when bad teams play well, they can still beat anybody. Magic know that firsthand from how they played when they were bad. It's just they don't do it every night. The Warriors went the next night, scored only 76 against the Hawks. The Magic beat the Wizards, outscored them. The Magic beat the Suns, outscored them. The Magic took on an incredibly spirited Cavs team that I thought played exceptionally well. That was a winning effort from the Cavaliers on Friday night. And this Magic team withstood that storm and won the game. I know it's just the Cavs, but I don't think that's nothing. I think that showed great character, and I think it was a really nice win for the Magic. Of course, of course, now comes the gauntlet that I've hinted at before. At Milwaukee on Monday, home for the Lakers on Wednesday, home for the Rockets on Friday, then a West Coast trip that takes them to New Orleans, Utah, Denver, and Portland. Not easy going for the Magic right here. Not easy going at all. And the Magic are going to find out. The Magic are going to find out very quickly just how good they are. The Magic are going to find out whether this newfound character, whether this newfound focus, whether this newfound rhythm that they've had is going to be enough to help them beat some really good teams. That's the big thing missing on their resume. Just that one win over a winning team. That home win over the Philadelphia 76ers without Joel Embiid. They all count the same at the end of the day. If the Magic win all their games against the bat, against under 500 teams and you know do a little bit better against the winning teams, they'll be 500, they'll make the playoffs. It's a good start. It's a good place to be. But obviously, it's not completely where this Magic team wants to be. They still have a ton of work to do. But they're making progress in getting there. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore MD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. We'll be back again Monday for an episode where we will discuss the first quarter of the Orlando Magic season. We'll hand out our first quarter MVP. We'll discuss where the Magic are at And we'll talk about some of the questions that we have for the second quarter of the Magic's season. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.